How's it going, listeners? I hope everyone's doing well and having themselves a productive week. It's spring break, and timely enough, it's been getting warm and feeling nice outside. Can't complain about things on my end, and hopefully everyone else is in the same boat, especially when I'm about to hang out with my closest friends to shoot the shit about all things film. Speaking of, welcome everybody to an all-new edition of Fewercast, our Film Effect Weekly Entertainment Recap Podcast. Breaking down the week's film effect entertainment news from our full effect point of views. My name is Ed. Hi. And joining me this week, as they do each and every week, the usual suspects, Jocelyn. Hey, guys. Andrew. Greetings and salutations, spring break. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> hey, now. And Corey. Yeah, I love me some good spring break. <laughs> How are we all doing? Good. Doing great. Is everybody comfy? Yeah. Enjoying this pleasant weather? Beautiful. Everybody have a delicious dinner this evening? Mm-hmm. See any good movies lately? <laughs> you ready to get your geek going? I'm ready for Avatar. Yay! That is sarcasm, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I was like, have I not talked about how much I wanted to see this movie? Very good. Then no more fucking around. Let's tighten that grip and bring on the drip. Justin, let's start with your uh, your news article. Um, I don't know. I, I saw this last week after we had after we had already recorded. So I don't know if anybody else has already seen this or this is an old story at this point, but. So, the story is Sharon Stone is again complaining about her time filming Basic Instinct, um, this time talking about the pay disparity between her and Michael Douglas. And I, I, I let me just start off by saying I do not like Sharon Stone, um, not as an actress, just as a person. She just has always annoyed me. Um, I think she's a terrible actress too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, she's not a great actress. I'm not even like, like my opinion about it really has little to do with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't really enjoy much of her work, um, other than Casino, for which uh, not only was she nominated for an Academy Award, I think she deserved it. I think she was really good in that. Yeah, um, I'll give her that. But I'm just these stories about her, and I, I don't even like Basic Instinct. Like, I'm not a Basic Instinct fan. So it's not like I have a horse in the race as far as I'm defending the movie, but like she's always shitting on her time making this movie, which is fine, except I don't believe any of the shit that she says. Like it just doesn't it just doesn't add up. It doesn't pass the smell test. So, um, of course, the one thing that she always talks about is the fact that she didn't know that her vagina was going to appear in the movie. Now, that's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it wasn't like. Like the camera was directly focused on her crotch. How did she think that it's it one wasn't of the going to appear? Key scenes. How do you not yeah. know that that's taking place? Right. If it was like a wide shot where, and her excuse always is, well, they told me that my underwear was reflecting the light. So I had, so just take the underwear off so it doesn't reflect the light. But the camera was pointing directly at her crotch i mean it wasn't like her face wasn't in the shot what did she think was going to happen so that story just doesn't pass the smell test now she's complaining that she got paid five hundred thousand and michael douglas got paid 14 million now there are pay disparities for women in this country absolutely agree let's get that out of the way right off the bat but 
at the time basic instinct instinct was made nobody knew who the fuck sharon stone was uh, it, like you were it was like hey there's that woman that was in total recall big to you differ know, on like, that one though when you come on sharon stone Char basic instinct in 92 was the, the movie. she it was, was the movie that well made known. her a star Basically, yeah, it, it did, but it's not like she wasn't known. I mean, she came out of the '80s doing a bunch of stuff, like you know, she was in the Police Academy film. She <laughs> right. was in and the West Craven and the name movie. Sharon Stone was rolling off people's tongue no, after Police no, Academy. No, you're, you're, you're getting it all wrong, though. Um, you know, and part of that Total Recall, really, you know, that and Action Jackson, Above the Law. Like in the late '80s, like she was making a name for herself. She, they weren't like massive roles. But it's, I don't think that, I don't agree with the fact that she was an unknown by the time Basic Instinct rolled around. Especially she was a after guy. her doing, Nobody, basic, after, especially after she Total She wasn't a household name. She wasn't but a household name. She was a that my, guy. Like, oh, I recognize one, her from, from like three other movies that I enjoy. The thing about the whole, you know, nudity and all that, unbeknownst to her, this, that, and the third that she's been crying about is... She followed Basic Instinct up with Sliver. She was <laughs> right. out. She was obviously out there sexualizing herself, and that's kind of like what she was known for around that time. You know, she did like a, a bunch of like erotic thrillers, like that, and then uh, that that Diabolique was not another one that was like that. I've never seen the movie, but you know, I, I've always thought that was like a role where she was just like kind of like erotic and all that. Um, you know, Casino, great film. Yeah, I'll, I'll also agree. Like I said, with with the performance there, I'm I'm even gonna throw in Quick and the Dead. I know it's got its fair share of haters, but you know I'm a fan of that movie. Um, I think she, I think everyone's good in that movie. Gene Hackman, her, uh, a young Leo DiCaprio. I think it's a good movie overall. Um. And, and and yeah, that's really my two cents on the whole ordeal. I, I, the whole. I, I'm gonna let you continue. I, don't, I feel like you were still talking about the whole. Yeah, article, I, I, I want to touch on, on more points in the article, and then I want yeah, you yeah, know, everybody on, else man, to jump on. in. Um, so as far as the pay, it, I think five hundred thousand dollars was right on the money for somebody of her stature at that point mm -hmm. in her career. Yep. Michael Douglas was a two-time Academy Award winner at this point. Not not both for acting, one for acting, one for producing. Was a name, was a guy that people, you know, he was a movie star at that point. So that that's just a dumb argument. Then she says that also as a, a result of the movie that she lost custody of her son in um, like a nasty divorce. And I saw that and I'm like, uh, you know, that sucks. That, 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 she shouldn't be losing. Like, how did she lose her son because of the movie? Then I see that she lost custody of her son in 2004, mm -hmm. which is like 12 years after Basic Instinct, had, you know, come and gone. So, I mean, again, it's like, what the fuck is she? How did Basic Instinct make her lose a custody battle in 2004? She said the judge said she makes sex movies. And it's like you said, well, after she did Basic Instinct, she did Slither and Diabolique and whatever else. Like she posed, she she poised herself as a sex symbol, which there's nothing wrong with that. And if no, that's one of the all. reasons, and if that's one of the reasons why she lost custody of her son, then I think that case and perhaps that judge need more scrutiny. I, I again I just don't see how being in Basic Instinct 12 years earlier caused that. I, I, I feel just, like 
Douglas was also an executive producer on Basic Instinct. I feel like Probably. he was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But I know he was in. He was also a producer in a lot of his movies, and I thought that was one of them. So that's another reason why his pay was so high. Plus, he's Michael fucking Douglas. Yeah, nineteen ninety two Michael Douglas. Yeah, the pay se- the pay checks out. And why are we talking about this thirty fucking years later? And I'll add one well, more thing just- to this before I end my rant. Basic Instinct, total fucking shit film. I watched it for the first time a few years back during the pandemic. One of the watch bunch of Ver- Verhoeven films, and I hadn't seen that one in its entirety before. Good God, what a fucking chore that was to get through. Yeah, I just, I, I just think she comes off really poorly by just keep going back to this well. And like not one of the things that she's dredged up makes sense to me. It's just like, what I don't, what are you talking about? So I don't know. Maybe nobody else even has an opinion on this, but it drives me <laughs> fucking bonkers every time she goes back to how awful Basic Instinct was for her life. We get it. She hated the experience. Get over it. They're not all going to be winners, okay? Where did this um, come from? How did this transpire? She always complained about basic instinct. That's like been a running thing with her. It's, like that's all she has left in the, in the canister, dude. Like every. I mean, she hasn't been relevant in Hollywood for like you know fucking twenty, thirty years. She's one of those people. Like when I see like her talking or I start reading something that she said, I just hear because like that's literally all I fucking imagine. Like she looks like a train wreck, and I don't want to turn this into a fucking Sharon. Yeah, no, I don't want to go there. Like she's an older woman. I don't, but she makes. She's a pretty older woman. I'm not going to get into that, but like, and her thing, I always remember her thing was because she was like, kind of her, her thing was being a sex pot in the nineties. So she countered that by, she like, I've read, I don't know how many interviews where she talked about, like she was in Mensa and how large her IQ was. And it's like, she was also in Catwoman. What's that? She was also in Catwoman. Oh yes, I never saw Catwoman. I mean, yeah, I mean, she made some piss poor choices. That's probably why like, the judge took the her kid. Saw a fucking Catwoman. <laughs> but like, she this always like Catwoman. goes around touting touting her high IQ, and then she just continually says stupid shit that just doesn't make sense. Like, I, I don't know. I just I really have a problem with her. No, I, I get it. Um, and and I'll and one. Th- one more thing I wanted to add. It's not actually a bad thing. Haha. Um, whenever I think, do think about her, and it's not often, but I just she's she's one person who I just kind of hope got her shit together and had like a kind of a, a career turnaround and shit. But then stuff like this happens, and it's like, oh, like I needed a fucking reminder of why you are the way you are, and it's like. Why am I feeling bad for you again? I don't know. I, but she, she is someone's, you know, sometimes it's like, if I do think about her, it's, I think about the downfall of her career, obviously, because that's what else is there to think about these days when it comes to Sharon Stone. And it's, I it's mean, not, that's probably, it's like, she probably gonna... has more of a, legit, a legitimate gripe there that she's an older woman and just doesn't get cast all that often. Like that, that would be a legitimate thing to bitch about. Like that but makes ageism? sense to me. I mean, yeah, exactly. I I, that, that I can understand, but like all the other shit that she says, just is, it's dumb. She just comes off like an asshole. No, because people like, I mean, I'm just gonna throw a female's name out in the hat. Kate Winslet, you know, 30 years, she's still getting productive roles and 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 shit. It's it's it all comes with the talent, baby. You got you. If you're not good at your job, then no one's gonna hire you. 
I feel like Sharon Stone, with the chances she's been given, look what she's done with them. I mean, I think Catwoman's the biggest role she's had in the last 25 years or so, whatever, however old that movie is. And the last thing I remember seeing her in, Christ, was it Alpha Dog back in 2006? Even in that movie, she's a fucking train wreck. That's all. For the second time, I'm done with my Sharon Stone rant. <laughs> Alpha Dog's a good movie. It is. She's in the. She's only in like two scenes. You know. She plays poor Anton Yelton's fucking mother. She's a fucking basket case in that movie. <clears throat> so, anything else? No, that, that, that's it for me. I don't know if anybody else said anything. And, and rant. Um. All right. Well. It's 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 funny today. Um, A twenty four officially announced the cast for Maxine, which is the third and final installment of the uh, I guess X trilogy. We can call this. Um, big fan of X. Went and saw it back in opening night last year. Um, I'm still sitting on Pearl. Haven't gotten around to watching it yet. It has nothing to do with the film itself. Like I said, I'm a big fan of X. Pearl's better than X, in my opinion. Everyone says that, and I believe it. I just got to see it. I got to get down and and finally watch it. So maybe I'll do that this weekend. Because this cast, man, has got me fucking pumped. Of course, Mia Goth is coming back. But uh, Elizabeth Debicki, Michelle Monaghan, Bobby Cannavale. Uh, Lily Collins, Halsey, uh, John Carlo Esposito, and Kevin Bacon. Is there a genre film that Kevin Bacon can't do these days? I feel like he just pops up in all the genre work. He's been in a lot of horror stuff. I don't know. I don't know if this is actually going to be horror or not. I mean, you know, without having seen Pearl. So, I don't know. I think this is a stellar cast. I'm happy as hell for, for Ty West. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, you know, it's, it's a really diverse cast. You know, it's it's of course takes place in the eighties. Um, I don't know. Has anybody else even seen X? Am I the only person who's watched X? No, I just said I like no, better than X. X. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was in the middle. Of, listen, well, I was in the middle of the article when you when you spoke. Um. Yeah, no, I have not seen X it. X is no. my favorite movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought X was really good. I I thought it was exactly you know what I expected. And Mia Goth fucking owns both the movies, but uh, I think Pearl's just better just because it's such a like awesome character study. Um, and Mia Goth is just even more free to run with the character, so I I enjoyed Pearl a little bit more. So I'm excited. I I'd be interested to see what uh, Maxine's gonna be like. Um, yeah, I, I I just I don't know what to expect. Love how it's I love how it's such a diverse trilogy. Like this yeah. idea is so different. You know, if, if for, to go from you know a slasher to what I can only assume is kind of like a dark comedy to whatever Maxine's going to be, and I can only imagine you know what tone they're going for with this movie. Um, I mean, Pearl's it's a even going to be hard, right? huh? Pearl's a horror movie too, though, right? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, okay. It's, 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 it's a prequel to yeah. the 
the character from X. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it's not a different genre movie though. It's it's still a horror movie. It's yeah, but it's, it's got like a, like a comedic tone to it's it. It's like a different subgenre. Like you know, I would um, say at, at least judging by the the trailer that I that was attached to the end of X, the the teaser for it, it, it gave off like dark comedy vibes. Yeah, it was. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I, it, I haven't seen it. It was more of a dark comedy. Yeah. It, okay. Like X is more of like a straightforward uh, slasher throwback, and then Pearl is more <laughs> like a dark comedy slash character study of Pearl. So yeah, they're different enough. So I'm I'm excited for Maxine. Yeah, it's a good cast, really good cast for a movie like this. Yeah, I can see like Bobby Cannavale or or, De- or Kevin Bacon being like sleazy, you know, porn star execs or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Or. Or Halsey being like another, you know, perform or actress or whatever. I don't know. It's it's like I said. It's it's a pretty good cast. I'm I'm pretty happy for like I said, Ty West and what he's doing with this. And uh, yeah, just another example of A24 just absolutely killing it. No pun intended. So, um. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Todd Phillips earlier today announcing that production has wrapped on uh, the Joker sequel. And Lady Gaga, her Harley Quinn, has been given a official photo look. And, you know, this is nothing different than what we've seen for the past couple weeks through different articles and such, uh, through production stills and whatnot. Um... You know, it's kind of hard to base judgment off of just seeing something that was shot while they're filming. I, I tend to just base my judgment off of seeing the final product or some sort of preview or something, you know, something more along the lines of this, like something more official. Um, I mean, based off the way she looks, I mean, it's, it, it's no different than the look they gave Joaquin with the Joker. So, you know. How about everybody else? What do you guys think of this? Or her look in general? The idea of this sequel? I mean, I know we've talked about this already, but I mean, I guess primarily like how she looks. I know we haven't talked yeah. about that yet. I, I mean, I, it's pretty much what I expected. Like, I, it didn't yeah. surprise me when I saw the photo. I mean, I think she's good casting. I mean, uh, the House of Gucci that I saw like a year or so ago, she was fantastic in that. I mean, the movie was a com- she, she was a complete a, fucking a mess. Star is Born is just <laughs> incredible, and yeah. I think she's one of the reasons. You know, she's one of my favorite elements about that movie. Well, yeah, and then House of Gucci, like her and Adam Driver, are both fantastic. But I mean, the movie mm-hmm. was a train wreck. But they were both great. Uh, so I, I mean, she's got acting chops, so I think she can hold her own against Joaquin. Hopefully, I mean, I think she was good casting. I think she fits the role uh, pretty well as far as um, you know Harley Quinn. So I think they did a good job. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. I like Joker. I didn't love it. You know, I thought it was good. I thought it was different. You know, something breath of fresh air for a comic book movie. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just glad you had the same opinion as me as uh, on House of Gucci. I always see people online loving that. I'm like, am I in a fucking bizarro world? That movie was awful. <laughs> it would just like jump around, and I'm like, oh, now we're yeah, like, it made no, in, it made no sense. We're like in like another <laughs> like decade, <laughs> another country. I'm right. like, what happened? They were just in the ni- they were just like in the 1990s. All of a sudden, it, it like just suddenly got there, and it was just like no transition whatsoever. Like, like now they're the, getting the divorced. Attention- <laughs> Yeah, the attention to like time 
the way time worked in that movie was just it was terrible i remember there was there was like a scene in the mid 80s and there was still like disco music playing i'm like nobody listened to disco music in 1984 like it was just and like that sounds nitpicky but like i, I expect somebody like ridley scott to have attention to detail you know it was just it was really poorly done yeah yeah it was shockingly so I've never seen Joker, um, but I don't really? understand why they're making it a musical for the second one. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a full-fledged musical. I think it was kind of misquoted or someone, you know, he kind of talked about it having musical elements and someone just took that quote and ran with it and it's all of a sudden snowballed into this whole Joker 2 is going to be a, a full-blown musical and that's kind of not yeah. the case. I, if you've seen the first one, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. It makes sense to me, the direction they're going. I can see yeah, how it's going to be integrated after seeing the first one. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that too. I can see like the moment that the, the two of them meet in the asylum is going to be like kind of a happy-go-lucky, maybe, you know, that's your musical moment right there, and that's it. The rest of the film is just the two of them on a descent of madness together. I don't know. Whatever they're going to do with it. So, you know. Um, I, I, It's funny. Um, when I saw it in the theater, I've only seen Joker once, and I, I saw it opening weekend. Me and Madeline saw it, and we both came out of that film loving it. And as much as I loved it and gave it praise, I have not went back and rewatched it. So I don't know what that says about the movie itself, but I do owe it a rewatch. And I got plenty of time because this film does not come out until October of 2024. So I guess they got a lot of post-production work to do? Question mark? I don't know. But as far as the way she looks, like I said, like Corey said, it's it, it's what you expect given the tone and, and the way as well as the way Phoenix looked in the first movie. Um, you know, I'm getting Brandon Lee crow vibes, wet makeup in the rain, just kind of wash, wishy-washy makeup. Woe is me. Um, I guess that goes to say that her character itself is going to be not as happy-go-lucky as Margot Robbie's portrayal. More on her later on the episode. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Anybody else want to add anything to this? Going once, going twice? Not particularly, no. All right. Um, Jocelyn, let's talk um, about your topic. Yeah, so I, uh, a friend of mine actually told me this today, and I looked it up. I had no idea. Um, so apparently in the new live-action Little Mermaid, they are changing the lyrics to two of the songs to emphasize consent. Um, one of the songs I believe is Poor Unfortunate Souls, and then one of the other songs is, uh, Kiss the Girl. Um, hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't Love know you. how to get into this without getting too political, but, um, I'm trying not to, but. I mean, it's already political once you brought it up. I mean, yeah, but I think it's ridiculous, honestly. Um, Alan Menken, who was the composer of The Little Mermaid, he was the one that revealed to his Vanity Fair that he was going to change some of the song lyrics in the new film um, because he, quote-unquote, said people have gotten very sensitive. So... I mean... I don't really know how to take that. Like, like was it his choice to do it? Or was Disney telling him he should do like it? Sounds like it was his choice. 
Um, no, I, that sounds like a corporate. That's a, that's a corporate. Yeah, bec- with the with the comment with him saying people have gotten too sensitive, that makes me feel like he, he was asked it. to do it. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm all. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. Oh, um, no, no, no. I thought you were going to say something. I mean, I'm all for like you know the girl power and consent and everything like that but like the whole reason that she wants like the kiss the girl song the whole reason they sing that song is because she wants to be kissed i I mean like what are they gonna do say like kiss the girl and then background singer is gonna be like with consent like what the hell (laughs) check yes or no first (laughs) right and i just like i don't know it's like how how much are we going to dive into this and how much is gonna need to be changed to like you know, I mean, please, you, you can't please everybody, right? I get yeah, it. You should expect changes coming anyway, and they're already changing elements of the movie. So, in my uh, my opinion, they're already going to be changing some of the movie up. What's a couple lyrics? Right. As, long well, as, and when this, I was... as long as the song stays the same, is it for the most part? Um, it's so uh, I guess it doesn't really bother me as much. Uh, I get it though. I can understand why it would bother somebody, but. You know, you're already going ahead, going ahead and changing some of the stuff about the movie you're remaking. So, and when I was reading lines. the article, like I, I, I've seen a Little Mermaid. It's been a very long time, so I don't have any particular memory. I definitely don't remember the lyrics to the songs. But the one song that they're changing is when Ursula is trying to convince her to give up her voice, which is the point not only of the song but sort of of ursula's character like that she tricked the little mermaid into giving like you know she right. she granted her the, the swish but it came with a, a terrible consequence and they're changing up the lyrics because it it's like gives the impression that women shouldn't speak up in certain situations or certain conversations should just sit back and and not have a voice but that's literally what the character's point is. Like, yeah. right. why would you change? Like, and it, there's there's this whole thing these days, and it, I sound like an old man saying this, but it is what it is, where, like, and I assume it's younger people. I don't think it's many people my age that want to do this, mm-hmm. but, like, just yeah. totally, like, sand off all the edges of villains. And it's like, well, that defeats the purpose. That's why these characters are villains because they do things that we don't agree with that because a character in a movie does something doesn't mean that you consent with the actions, you know, I mean, right. Norman Bates killed people. I don't sanction that, but Norman Bates is a fascinating character to watch because he is flawed and, and, you know, has this tend this evil tendency. Like, I don't understand why you'd want to do away with that. It just doesn't fucking make sense. Did you just compare Ariel to Norman Bates? <laughs> no, Ursula. No, I'm, and Norman yeah, Bates. I'm comparing. <laughs> I'm oh. making a point about villains. Like, you know, if Darth Vader didn't choke people out because it's mean, like, what's the fucking point? What are we even doing nowadays? It just doesn't make sense. Right, and I'm I've... sorry. Like, coming, like I'm, I'm a female. Like, I was a little girl in the movie theater seeing The Little Mermaid when it came out. I remember being there for it. Like, there's no, like, nothing across my mind ever when I was in that movie thinking to myself, like, oh, I can't speak out for myself. Like, or God, <laughs> he really wants to kiss her. I hope he asks permission first. Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody thinks the way that people think nowadays like back then i just like i don't know i just don't understand what it was what's it hurting 
hurting anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's a lot of solutions for th things that aren't problems nowadays. Right. Well, here's the thing that we're forgetting to also acknowledge, and that's the fact that this movie, I feel like, is just getting hate for the sake of getting hate because it's a Little Mermaid. I mean, it's been it's been attacked since day one. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I think it's the fact that a lot of people have a problem with the fact that they changed the race of of the character. Yeah, it's definitely and, part of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just I don't know. They just it's hard for me to even speak for people who I don't uh, you know agree with. I, I just it's one of the main things though. Honestly, is the race thing. But all in all, I feel like this movie is just getting hate for the sake of getting hate. It's It's been... I've heard nothing but downright awful things about it. And when I say the word awful, it's not in the sense of filmmaking or, or thoughts of the film itself. It's it's just about, you know, people are just disgusting and horrible. And yeah. it's... I don't know. Um, I mean, personally, I don't think this movie looks very good at all. But I'm by no means not going to attack somebody or shit on you know someone at the end of the day this is still a film made by human beings you know that yeah. put a lot of time and effort and money into it so you know it is what it is I'm not going to be seeing it or supporting it but I'm not going to also stand there and fucking tear it apart for ridiculous fucking just bigotry reasons and shit like that I don't know that's just my two cents, um, and uh, and that pertains to you know why this is called attention, and I just feel like that anything that pertains to this film is going to catch attention. Right. So you know that's all. It's Andrew, one of the you're reasons. Kind of quiet. You don't. You're not a big fan. You don't want to talk about Little Mermaid. I have not seen Little Mermaid in 25 years. I don't even remember anything about that movie. I remember all that right. it's got a crab in it. <laughs> got a fish too and I do not recall what his name is I remember playing right, the then. game back to Justin on Nintendo I like the game oh, on yeah, Nintendo. The Nintendo game it's, that was a fun it, time it, it's a Capcom game and it's, it's one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of movies nowadays is because no. it's studio movies anyway it's because they go through this fucking it there's not an artistic vision behind it it's it's their movies are made by committee at a corporate level, and it's like it, they're just purely for the sake of making money. Like, I'm happy there's a, like I hear a lot of people going, "Why are they remaking The Little Mermaid?" Well, a lot of little black girls probably don't watch cartoons from 1989 that right. just have a bunch of white faces in it. So, and I agree with that. And all the reaction yeah. videos that came out of you know little black girls seeing this trailer, it was right. it, it was eye opening and it was it was adorable. You know, just seeing yeah. how excited they were. If but, you're a 40 year old white person who's going, "Why are they doing this?" You don't have to go see it. Like, right. you know, just. <laughs> right. Get, sit this one out so that 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 kind of thing i'm all on board for but it's when you get into this like we can't offend anybody the villain can't be too much of a villain we got to hit four quadrants this movie's got to make a billion dollars or it's a failure it's like there's it just sucks the soul out of everything the, the whole corporate aspect of of filmmaking these days and that's why i come on here and either don't care or talk a lot of shit about newer movies it's, you know 
and again, I'm, I'm an old fart. I get it. But I, I just, there's a heart to movies just as recent as like with 10 years ago. That's just lacking these days. And it's not across the board. Of course, I, I see new movies every year that I enjoy. But for the most part, they're just made for the wrong reasons these days. There's no like, or there's very little auteur sort of filmmaking going on at a studio level anyway when it happens it's that's why i, I love like the last matrix movie so much that to me was a a studio backed auteur movie and it just kind of blew my mind that it even got made the way it got made <laughs> so you know there's exceptions avatar um yeah. john wick john wick 4 which we haven't talked about uh you know so there are exceptions but um yeah for the most part it's just there there's a lot of soulless fucking like slop just being shoved our way and i i just reject most of it it's it's bullshit do you hear that listeners justin will not be on the train seeing transformers rise of the beast day one I haven't seen a Transformers movie since the first one, which I actually enjoyed, but I didn't feel the need to watch any after that. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, you're smart. That's probably best for everybody. <laughs> the first one. All right, Corey, let's talk about your piece. Yeah, so um, it's not like a super interesting article in itself. I just wanted to talk about it because like, just reading the article and what mine pertains to is the Lord of the Rings um, series on Amazon, Ring of Power. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's the most expensive show ever produced. Uh, it's just this big hype around, you know, obviously one of the most beloved uh, book series and IPs. And the show came out and it just seemed like it was like a wet fart. Like, it just, it, it started out okay <laughs> and then just nobody cared about it. And, you know, me and my wife watched a couple episodes and we didn't finish the season, which is pretty rare for something like Jesus. that. Like, it, I just lost interest. So the article was interesting. So it started out the first um, episode started with 25 million viewers, which is pretty insane for, you know, like an Amazon exclusive show. I mean, a really great number. And then by the end of the season, only a third of the audience had stuck around, which might not sound that bad. You know, a third, about eight. 9 million people or so, but when you consider how much money they spent on the show, it's really not oh, that yeah. great. And, you know, you look at, like, House of the Dragon, which it's obviously going to get compared to the HBO series, you know, that just kept rolling. And I watched the entire season of House of the Dragon. I was hooked, and I can't wait for the next season. Um, so it was just interesting to me. I, I just want to talk about it, because Lord of the Rings, it, uh, the show, it just, it beats you over the head with its lore, and fantastical stuff so much and it's it just like i didn't care about any of the characters really i mean like and then you juxtapose that characters that nobody's familiar with everyone that's familiar with the early aughts product those three films but that's not a problem like i don't i'm not familiar with any of the house of the dragon characters before the season i don't i don't know who any of those people are but i'm interested because house of the dragon starts out with an easy to understand premise good characterization good motivations by the characters and it adds the fantastical shit in and it's just kind of there it's not what the whole show is about the whole show is about you know people reacting to shit in this fantastical world you go into lord of the rings and it's just like you don't get anything it's just like you got these weird elf people sailing in the sea and i'm just like 
Her brother died, <laughs> but you don't see anything with the brother, and you don't give a shit about her brother, to be honest with you. I don't give a shit about her. And I mean, it's just... So you basically have to be a full-blown Lord of the Rings nerd in order to understand the show. Uh, you can understand Sounds it. Like I'm it. just Jesus. saying I didn't give a shit. Like, I, I just didn't care about any of the It characters. sounds like you gave lots of shits, to be honest. Oh, I didn't care. I was just disappointed. I like Lord of the Rings. I, I really liked, uh, you know, the trilogy from Peter Jackson, and I was just disappointed with it. I just hope they can reformulate the second season. And, you know... I was going to ask, wasn't that one of those ordeals where it off the cuff got announced for two seasons? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely coming back. And then... But I'm just hoping they can do something, you know, that's more interesting, kind of hooks me back in. I mean, I'll give it another yeah, shot. I doubt they will, but I hope they do it for your sake. It was just too much. Like, I don't know if I, I'm the only one that felt that way. It was just too much fantastical no, stuff, not I, enough characters, and I just didn't, wasn't I, interested. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a huge Hobbit fan. I was going to say, like, I'm surprised you haven't spoken up yet on this one, Jocelyn. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was letting Corey finish. I was letting him have his say, um, because... Uh, I was agreeing with everything you said pretty much. And I think I mentioned it before when Greg and I watched the series, there was a couple times where I was like nodding off and Oh shit. You know, House of Dragon is done was, when was literally running, you know, a, the same exact time. They you know, they both came out the same time. So what was it like? I think um the Lord of the Rings show was like Fridays and then House of Dragon was like Sundays or something like that. Yeah. So I looked forward for to House of the Dragon, and I I agree what you're saying too. Not that you're wrong, Ed, but what he was saying about saying you know like all the characters in House of the Dragon were new. Nobody knew anything about them, but those characters just pulled me in, and it was it was more probably had good it had good it writing. had a better story and writing. Yeah, it did yeah, writing. That's what dragged you in was the writing. Obviously. Yeah, and I mean like I love Galadriel, but I don't necessarily need to know her backstory. Like. You know, I mean, it was very, some of the stuff was very, very cool how they did it. And, you know, it was definitely high budget and it had a lot of things going for it. But once we started watching it, um, I can't really speak for Greg. I, I know he watched it. He enjoyed it. But I don't know, like overall, if, we never really talked about it because I just was kind of like, meh, you know. Where'd all was, that money go towards? It certainly wasn't the cast, because I couldn't tell you one person who's on that show. Right. No, they, it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like an A-tier movie. Like the, I mean, all yeah, that's it great. It looks great. Yeah. The effects and everything. I mean, it, I better. mean it, puts House of Dragon, it puts House of Dragon to shame. I'll say that. As far as, like, production and the way everything looks, that's all great, but that's not what... a makes a great show like i'll take right. shitty effects right, with great right, characters right. and writing of course of course and then obviously yeah. like they had to change things too like they couldn't say hobbit because it's trademark really yeah <laughs> it's Wait trademark through how, you, a, how the fuck do you big, not right what, is, what did they call them Corey? that's, that's I like remember what having an them. x-men show without saying mutant <laughs> yeah i don't i don't how? remember i don't remember what the term oh, was little little foot they were like it, it was like little wings or little like foot or something little little foot or something like that little i don't know foot. that's what they I call know. them instead of hobbits little foot yeah but it's apparently it's trademarked i i don't know who owns it. it it might be the wb i can't remember fuck off but yeah they're not allowed to use the term hobbit at all Wow. Yeah, so they don't even say that throughout the whole show. And then that's... You so know, clearly this has no ties to Peter Jackson property. This uh, is just basically yeah, tied off the this books. This is all Amazon. 
Well, yeah, no, this this isn't thing. even this isn't it, even a part of the up. books. Yeah, it's just a completely made up thing. It's stories that Tolkien. It's not even a book. It's made up. No, it's based off of story. I mean, he wrote. You can't I think see it's me like right now, but my jaw is like dropped, like literally. <laughs> but it's based off of like stories that Tolkien told his children about when he was drunk. growing up. Oh, and... So they're basically <laughs> bedtime stories. Yeah, but they did talk to his son, and he was he had a big part of it. What would you say about that budget again, Corey? No. Highest budget? What? It's the highest budget show ever for anything. Like for I forget these, the exact these are number. Fictional stories. Fictional right. stories, and well, I think that's well, probably the why Lord of the Rings is a fictional story too. Well, I'm talking, I, I meant fictional story in the sense that, like, like these are just nonsense tales. Like, right. they're not, yeah. they're baseless fucking stories. Like, they're non-canonical. I told little Kevin this tale one Saturday night when he was overzealous and couldn't fall asleep. So, I, I and I know. think that's why probably why they announced season two so quickly because i think it's trying to save the brand a little bit and by the brand i mean amazon like that that would be a huge black eye crossing to go. Them fingers for our season third renewal <laughs> yeah i don't if season two is greeted the way season one was there's not going to be a season three i think season two is just them saying all that money we really hyped this thing up and we can't go out on one season that nobody liked like well, we got to try to write the ship and 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 uh you know make up for that well are it's, they even trying to like reboot like they're trying to like reboot like the lord of the rings already jumping too. ship yeah. I love it. like like the originals and i'm just like why yeah. like i just if you know if it ain't broke don't fix it and like i don't get it <laughs> no i agree is this an is this an anthology series or does it have like an integral story? No, it's like a just a it's regular supposed show. To be a, it's a okay. yeah, but it's it's supposed to be like a prequel to it's the a weekly Lord of, bedtime story Andrew. to the Hobbit. I mean, it, it goes back way way far back. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's a prequel. like the story of Middle Earth and stuff and how everything. You Apparently, know, it's a literal it's bedtime story if it's putting Jocelyn to sleep and nobody's fucking watching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, there was like two or three episodes where I was like, Greg hit me and was like, "You're sleeping," and I was like, "Shit!" Like, and this is why aren't you? This isn't related to the article, but did you guys hear? They're already off getting bad press because a horse died apparently during filming of the second season. Oh, shit. Uh, a horse oh, shit. apparently had a heart attack while they were filming. Last time a horse died on the set of something, they shut Michael Mann's shit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That show was great, by the way. That season was fucking awesome. I know. That was a fucking fantastic show that, that died too soon. Uh, but any- And I, I saw that after, as a result of that accident, there's now a push to just get animals out of movies completely and just do oh, them all CGI. Just, CGI. So just there. make just, movies even more fucking soulless than they are. Here we go. It's like You have a solution. Now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they're already not off to a good start. Uh, so, you know, all the animal activists are up in arms, which, to be fair, I don't know the whole story. So maybe the animals are getting mistreated or maybe it was just bad luck. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they're not off to a good start. <laughs> they were caught super gluing fake uh, unicorn horns in the center of their fucking heads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Andrew, you were the last person remaining with the story this week. You're up. So I wanted to talk about this community movie. Um, 
the community is something that I've watched a handful of episodes on. I probably watched, I don't know, 15, 20 episodes or whatever have you. But the, all of the episodes that I've watched are fucking absolutely hilarious, and I think the show is just genius. But this this movie, they've been in talk about this movie for probably a couple of years now, but the big controversial factor is the fact that Donald Glover was totally against coming back for it. He's like, I'm famous and, as shit now. I don't need to come back for this. Right, right. right. I'm, he's, he's like, did you know I'm Donald Glover and Childish Gambino? I have no time for this. But, um... I mean, he's officially confirmed his involvement in it, so I guess that secures the entire cast and crew, and I guess this is finally actually going to happen. Um, now, do they bring back Chevy Chase? I was about... Yeah, I did. You stole the words from my mouth. I was about to say, now, where does this leave Chevy? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, he was there back. for... The, he I mean, was when they, from the show. They killed him yeah, off I'm guessing it's They a big killed no. him on the show. Oh, okay. See, that I didn't finish it yeah, or anything. He's so. dead as shit. I didn't, yeah, you only saw 15 episodes. Spoiler alert. I've seen most of it. I didn't see the like Yahoo season, like the season that was online. Like I saw when season it was six. Um, yeah, I saw when it was on NBC, and I I loved the show. I thought it was brilliant. I I loved everything they did. Um, yeah. So I I mean it's one of my favorite comedies like ever. I mean I, I love the whole thing so i'm excited for the movie i, I think it's funny andrew's like picked the story about something he's vaguely seen <laughs> it's so for i mean it's only fitting brand right <laughs> the more i'm more or less bringing this up just because my butt one of my best friends kenny is like a diehard fan of the show and i've always we've always talked about you know this movie in particular and the fact that donald glover wasn't coming back and i mean we're both huge donald glover fans i love donald glover i love childish gambino i love pretty much everything he's done so ever watch his show the atlanta atlanta i think it's called yes yes i have oh my god i i love that fucking show so much so if you haven't seen it i highly recommend you do so um but yeah andrew recommended something he has seen yes (laughs) yes sir but yeah i mean i i would be excited to see a movie about it for sure i mean i haven't i would have to brush up on the show again but uh, when's the last time when's this when did this show go off the air Right, ten probably. years ago. How long has it been? Has yeah. it been ten years? Nah, it's probably been like seven. I thought. I the mean, it was, was it like was six, on at the same time as The Office for a while. I thought it ended around the same time as Parks and Rec. I could be wrong. I, th- I, I remember know. it being like the Thursday night lineup. I think it was like Community Office and Parks and Rec. It's like whatever dumbass I mean, show. It was. I have never seen Community before. I've seen maybe one or two episodes at the most. That's it. So, mm-hmm. oh, it, it's great. I really it, it don't is. Have much to it's really good this conversation. You know, it's a good. It's a good show. It's funny. I own for it. Sure. I own it on Blu-ray. It's one of the few shows I actually own on Blu-ray, which is a high statement for how much I like that show. Because there's very few TV shows I buy on physical media. Yeah. Pepper Wilder. Who puts Pepper in Wilder? I don't get that. It sounds funny. Oh. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I don't get it. That's right. All right. Well, should we move on then? Let's move on. Talk about coming attractions. Coming soon to theaters. Uh, we got one trailer this week. Thanks to Jocelyn reminding us that uh, the new Barbie trailer dropped. So let's play that. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, 
Hi, Barbie. 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 I'm coming with you. Did you bring your rollerblades? I literally go nowhere without them. Oh, looks like this beach was a little too much beach for you, Ken. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. I'll beach off with you any day, Ken. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. Beach both oh, of us off? Beach. Nobody's gonna beach anyone off. Yeah, I don't know who this is for. It's certainly not me. And yeah, for Justin. <laughs> this, this, this. I, I got nothing out of watching this. I can honestly say I stood here with a blank, blank face and just, I, I, yeah, cricket sounds. That was my reaction to it. I mean, I don't know who this is for. I don't know who actually thinks this looks <laughs> good. Um, something tells me is is for his terrible as it looks in my humble opinion something tells me this movie's gonna be massive people are gonna love the shit out of this movie when it comes out i don't know why but they're going to that's that's the idea that's the impression that this trailer left on me is that i may not get it but i just feel like people are gonna eat this film up it's gonna become like the sleeper hit of the summer maybe not even sleeper hit i mean might not even be fair to call it that just a hit. I don't know. You know, they got Greta Gerwig, Noah, Noah Baumbach. She's you know, talented, too. Greta Gerwig behind the camera. Like, she's talented. Like, I I, I like yeah, that Lady Bird. I don't that know. was good. I, 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 it's like Warner Brothers was like, we need a big indie name who can helm this. And they got the, the they got the indie couple basically behind this fucking movie. So maybe that's why people are just and maybe they're in denial. Maybe the people that are behind this are like, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a chance. It's like, really? Are you watching the same thing I'm watching? Maybe it's because they're in denial and they're hoping that it's gonna be as good as they're saying it is. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I just watched this twice and both times just thought to myself why yeah what is this well, who is this not, for we're not the target demos i mean i'm imagining who is the target demo for though Corey? who is the target demo for this movie people that play with barbies aka not okay us. okay for I just, people who <laughs> i want to chime in real too quick. young to even go to a movie theater and sit down for two hours <laughs> i won't go to the movie theater and see this but i will watch it when it comes out i just i feel like I didn't play with Barbie dolls when I was younger. I had, like, the Ghostbuster, like, fire hall set with all the characters. <laughs> that was, like, Not the You had set. the stuff that was based off of movies. Right. But, like, I was <laughs> playing with Ghostbusters and, and He-Man dolls and shit when I was, like, a kid. 
Um, right. But like, I don't know. There's just something about this. I think it's gonna have a lot of satire in it, which I think is what kind of drew me to this trailer. Um, I, I knew, genuinely want to know what people see in this. I wanted. To, I I knew that they were coming out with a movie like this, you know. But I had no interest until I watched the trailer. And then I'm a big fan of Michael Sarah too. I saw him in it, and I don't know. I feel like this is just gonna be like a whole like satire movie. With you saw the, the you saw the length of that supporting cast, right? Yes, that's a lot. Sarah's going to be in like movie. one scene, so don't get your hopes up. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, but I don't know. I just <laughs> maybe two. It made me chuckle a little bit. I'll watch it. I'm I'm definitely more intrigued than I was before, just knowing that it was going to come out. I thought it was going to be fucking dumb as shit, but now I'm like, okay, this might be I a mean, little funny actually. Like- the, the, what I got out of it is there's a Barbie land that they're all in. Mm-hmm. Somehow her and Ken come out of Barbie land and end up in the real world, quote unquote. And of course, they got fucking Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell. ties into it all, like Lego movie. So we already got those similarities going off right away. And um, the whole, okay, did you bring your rollerblades? I never forget my rollerblades. I felt like I was supposed to get that joke, but I didn't. <laughs> like, I think it's, is that a thing? This can always have rollerblades or something? Like satire, like stupid. Like it's making fun of it. That's what I, I got from it. I don't think that that's what they were going for. I don't know. I, I was definitely not getting those kind of vibes watching this. Yeah. And I sound like I'm just sitting here just tearing away at the property just because it is what it is or whatever. It's like, no, I genuinely am curious as to what people see in this. I, I don't know. I didn't go into this hate watching it. I'll tell you that right now. I always give it things at least a chance. This, I don't know. I love I love Greta Gerwig. I love Noah Baumbach, both of them. Justin, we had this conversation last night heading to the Bikini Kill concert. We talked about this. Yeah. This is before I even watched the trailer. So we talked about both of their names and, and you know. And I don't like the plot for, and I haven't seen a a, a movie that Greta Gerwig is directed. I've, I haven't seen the two movies she's done, so I can't speak to her talents as a director. But I know Noah Baumbach is a talented writer and director. I've seen a few of his movies, and the thing I don't understand, or a thing that I always I hate in movies like this, is when they they take a property and. Mm-hmm. They they take it out of their world and bring it into the real world. Yeah, I it's, a tiresome, plot it's device. a tiresome trope. Yeah. We see it yeah, all the time in these that. movies. All these IP movies that they do the same fucking plot. Yeah, we're uh, in the real world all of a sudden. Oh my right. god! <laughs> right. The, the, uh, is it supposed to be like a fish out of water? Is that supposed to make it more? Like I mean, the I, Smurfs I think the, movie it, was like that. It was a bunch Smurf, of them. The, the Masters of the Universe, uh, there have been Looney Tunes movies, <laughs> SpongeBob movie. There's like been tons of movies. Elf where wasn't they, an IP. I mean, just becoming out of like a fairy tale <laughs> land into okay, like the right. real world. That that's but that. Mean. If that like it didn't bother me with Elf. It's more like when Lego like movie, it's like the I, the IPs where they do it, and it's it always strikes me as a budgetary thing where it's just cheaper to do it that way, and it results in a lesser movie. Like if you're gonna do it, then commit to it and do the whole thing in fucking Barbie Land. Like isn't that what people want to see? Like who wants to see Barbie like rollerblading on Venice Beach? What's what's funny or interesting about that? Like 
explore her world that would be interesting that that movie i would maybe want to see um I, yeah but I don't, I don't really have any i can't imagine a scenario where i ever see this and everyone's talk everyone's named barbie by the pool it's like hi barbie hi barbie hi i'm like again i feel like i'm supposed to get this but i don't I'll let you guys know how it is, okay? <laughs> yes, please do that, Jocelyn. Check it out. Take the fucking... Take it for us and let us know how it is, alright? It's like, all right, I should know these in-jokes from all the times I played with yeah. Barbies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know me, I'm a fucking doll fucking connoisseur. We are gonna like, I know there's now. gotta be a Ken has a smooth crotch joke, but beyond that, like, the, I, I will get none of the Barbie <laughs> Easter eggs. Like, that's the only one that I think I, I would know. And on that note, we're moving on this, to weekly this, recommends. Well, hold on, hold on. I was going to make a joke. So okay. this is going to be. <laughs> he's, he's this bound, this is bound to be funny now that you announced it. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> this movie's going to be a hard pass for me, dog. I'm going to save my money for a remake of Barbie of Swan Lake, which will be my recommended movie next week, if I can remember. <laughs> All right. If on I that note, remember. we're going to move on to Weekly Recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? All right. Justin, what do you got for us this week? Um, I'm going to recommend Cloud Atlas. Has anybody seen Cloud Atlas? <laughs> yeah, I like that I movie. <laughs> yeah, it kind of came and went with little fanfare at the time. I think everybody just kind of had it with the Wachowskis at that point. It was one of their better ones. Sean saw it, and he talked highly about the movie. But Did I he? never watched it myself. Yeah, Sean spoke highly of it. Yeah, I bought a, um, a while ago. I bought it. It's a, it's a dual uh, movie set with that and Jupiter Ascending, which are like their two least beloved movies. So I was like, I was like, all right, let me. And I saw some of Jupiter Ascending on um, like HBO or something one night, and it looked ridiculously awful. You gotta um, watch it for just, Eddie Redmayne in that movie. That's what I hear. Channing yeah. Tatum has like donkey ears. Yeah. And shit. <laughs> Channing Tatum is a dog, and Eddie Redmayne will talk like this, and that'd be really high. Like it's, right, it's really yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of looking Corey, they to... call that range. No, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Cloud Atlas is, is really good, actually. It's not perfect. It's it, Tom Hanks is terribly miscast in it. Like, <laughs> he's dead. I, in which world? He's so bad in it, <laughs> and it's like, a shame. I like in the future where he's like, and then the choo-choo, and the doo-doo. Like, like <laughs> Wait, is that a fucking line from that movie? <laughs> is that the choo-choo, then the doo-doo? That's how yeah, it's talks. not far off. Yeah, it's not far off. Um, but it's, you know, if you know, even if you haven't seen it and kind of know what it's about, it's like four or five different stories told over the span of like thousands of years. Um, it's a three hour like long. Every movie, actor so. plays like three different roles. Yeah, they scene, all right? play different. They play like different colors and different genders. So I'm sorry. It, what? In keeping with oh, the, the Wachowskis. Someone yeah, plays it, blackface. Uh, I don't think like there's any CGI. blackface, but there's, lot, there's lots of Asian face. Asian I, I don't face, think there's yeah. any blackface. Yeah, there is so Asian Linda Hunt's face. in it? <laughs> no, no Linda Hunt. <laughs> um, 
what's that guy's name? Jim Sturgis, I think. Is his yeah, name? you see yeah, Asian Jim, Jim Sturgis, Sturgis from across the Yeah, there's, a, there's an Asian Jim Sturgis that's sort of distracting throughout. <laughs> I'm sorry, isn't he Irish? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's Asian in the movie. Asian Irish. I'm pretty um, sure he was Asian. <laughs> such an Asian. Oh my God, my kid brother's been shot. And, and that's the kind of thing that I know like bothers people. Um, I did, I found it distracting, but it didn't like bother me or take me out of the movie too much. Um, makes sense. It, it kind of makes sense in the in the, the movie. Con- in, yeah, in the context of the movie, um, it's sort of about n- not necessarily reincarnation, but different iterations of people taking place throughout time. Um, and it, it has a lot of the Wachowski hallmarks, like you know, fighting fascism. And, um, you know, if you read a, a trans allegory into their work, it, the fact that people are, you know, taking on different genders and and uh, and races and, and things like that, it, it sort of goes along with that, um, that whole thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's and there's like, you know, there's like an old uh, old timey story that takes place on the sea and deals with slavery. And then there's a story set in the seventies. It's sort of like a, um, a paranoid political thriller from the seventies. Yeah. There's a, a futuristic okay. story where Very it's unique. like, a, yeah. yeah, it, it really hmm. is. You know, if it's, and it sounds like a slog, which has always kept me from watching. It's like three hours. It's like, uh, you know, this is going to be a commitment, but it's well worth it. it it's a very, very interesting movie. It's pretty, too. Like the cinematography. Yeah, yeah it looks it, great. It looks pretty, yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the Wachowskis. I keep saying the Wachowskis. It's them and, and um, Tom Twyker also directed segments of it. So um, I thought it was all the Wachowskis. What's that? I thought it was all the Wachowskis. No, no, it's them and Tom Twyker, which makes sense now when you look back on the fact that he worked on the last Matrix movie. They obviously formed a a relationship working on Cloud Atlas. I don't know how how they came together to make that. I don't know that whole backstory, but um, gotcha. Yeah, very very interesting movie. Well worth the watch. I, I've ever since the last Matrix movie, I've been going through sort of a reevaluation of the Wachowskis and I, Speed Racers next. I got to give. I was going to say now you got to watch hey, Speed Racers. I do. Speed Racer, I gotta... If you like the cartoon, it's a good movie. It's true to the cartoon. I've seen it once, and I I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it very much. So I'm going in sort of with an open mind this time. Just whatever it is is, is how I'm going to come down on it. I, I I'm one of the few that I, I really enjoyed that movie. I saw it uh, when it was in theaters and IMAX because mm-hmm. I loved the cartoon when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean it's it's eye candy if nothing else. I'm just curious how it holds up as a narrative. Um, I want to like it, yeah. So I, I'm definitely going in with an open mind. That's surprisingly good action in it too. Like people don't give it credit for that. Like it, it's a good movie in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, I'll go next. <laughs> So this week's recommendation is going to be resorting back to one of my favorites. I mean, as far as coming-of-age movies go, Boyhood, it's the tippy-top for me. It's a movie that I've seen at least a dozen times, and what's fascinating to me the most is how I've never gotten bored with it, ever, not once, you know, and I've seen the film at least a dozen times, and it's 
every bit of three hours long. So it's just such a beautiful story told from a real-time perspective. Something that it's never been done before in film. It's, it's quite impressive. Both Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke have never been better. And that includes all three before films that Hawke did. And although both of them were nominated for Academy Awards, Arquette took home her award for the performance while Hawke lost out to J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. I mean, hey, you can't be too bummed about that beat since I love Simmons in that film. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's a bad beat. So, uh, but yeah, it's just a perfect, strong crafted film that took careful planning over a 12 to 13 year schedule. It's, it's levels of commitment that this project took that made it what it is, you know, impossible commitments. But somehow, someway, everybody behind the scenes seemed to be as committed as Linklater, the director, and it shows in the final product. Everything from the realistic dialogue to the, the film's nostalgic soundtrack. That's another thing, too, is that soundtrack. There's no credited songwriter for the movie. Because Linklater just goes hog wild with the, the rights to all the music. There's like an entire collection of songs that he uses to establish what year the film's set in. If you pay attention, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's integrated throughout the movie. So, I mean, as far as Boyhood goes, it's one of the best films to come out in the last decade, bar none. That's my humble opinion. Like I said before, I've seen it a handful of times dozens at least and I probably recommended it before but you know what I'm just gonna do it again I, I can't recommend it enough I, I, I can't praise it enough everybody should stop what they're doing and watch Boyhood tonight it's it's that good I love it that much so yeah that's my recommendation this week is Richard Linklater's Boyhood check it out that's my recommendation though so whoever wants to go next my recommendation this week is Happy Go Lucky. It is a 2003 film. What's the movie about, you ask? A blind woman, a mentally impaired man, and a man with a nervous disorder form a friendship. I can't pronounce any of these guys' names. <laughs> I can't pronounce any of these people. So, to spare myself from butchering anybody's names... I'm going to move on to what I actually want to recommend. And it's 1986's Stand By Me. It's by far my favorite Stephen King film. I understand that might be controversial for some, especially given the fact that he made The Shining and other films. But I didn't make the films. I wrote the story. Well, wrote them. That, that, that's what I meant to say. But still, I mean, great cast for the time. You know, River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, uh, Corey Feldman, Keith Sutherland, Sutherland. Even Richard Dreyfus is here for the ride, but John Cusack's in this film? Huh. I didn't even realize that, <laughs> so I'm sitting here looking at it. <laughs> but, but either way, I, I, I just remember watching this film so much growing up as a kid, and I actually just watched it like a little less than a year ago and, and still just absolutely love everything about it. Except like, John it, Cusack. Except for John Cusack, apparently. But <laughs> I don't know, I just... I, I feel like it's that coming-of-age film that kind of, like, reaches out to me in a way because all me and my friends were always getting into just some crazy shit and and whatnot. So it's it's a fun film to watch, but it's definitely got a, you know, a hard-hitting ending and a true meaning behind it. So I highly recommend that for my film this week. 
It's got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you don't want to listen to my words, you can listen to them. You can listen to the tomatoes. I remember going to see that as a teen, either a teenager or a preteen. What year was that? 86? 86. So yeah, I was I was a teenager at the time. And um and and my dad, my sister wanted to see King Kong Returns, I think it was, that came out like <laughs> at the same time. Oh god, what and, a follow up. Uh, so uh they went and saw that. It was at the Patterson, the old old theater in uh Highland Town, which had two screens. So they went and saw King Kong Returns. I went and saw Stand By Me, and then for you know, to this day, my sister will always go. You know, I should have went. I made the wrong choice. I should have went. She picked King Kong Returns. She's like, I should have went with you and watched Stand By Me because it's one of one of her favorite movies. Yeah, you gotta love that when everybody else is going to see a timeless classic and you're stuck going to see the piece of shit you go see for some reason. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, Jocelyn, you want to go next? Yeah. Um. So Greg and I finally got around to watching. Uh, uh, a Quiet Place 2 this weekend. I don't know if any of you have seen that, the follow-up to A Quiet Place by yeah. John, John Krasinski. Yeah. Really good. Um, I, I honestly think I liked it better than the first one. Like, I think it, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. I mean, I love... I think John Krasinski is just, like, brilliant. Like, after I saw the first movie, I was just like, damn, this guy has a lot more to offer than you know... The Office, I mean, that's what he's known for the, you know, the most. But, um, yeah, I loved it. it I, I thought it was great. The whole, like, kind of build-up scenes where, you know, there's, like, three different, like, things going on at one time. It was definitely, like, anxiety-driven. Um, it was kind of cool to see not, you know, not really, like, a prequel, but, like, you know, the beginning of things to see how it all kind of went about how their family was like and and how everybody kind of lived their life before these creatures came to earth or whatever um but uh i enjoyed it i i thought it was a great movie and i am definitely glad that i watched it i wish i didn't sleep on it for so long but um i think john krasinski is a great writer yeah i think he's a great director and for people that don't know his wife um Emily Blunt is, you know, the main character. I even thought like the um the girl that's deaf. Um I I just I don't know. I thought I she was like my favorite character in the whole movie. I just thought she was such a badass and I just think that she did a really great job playing this role. Um so I don't know really know what you guys think of it, but I loved this movie and I'm really glad that I finally sat down and watched it. Yeah. I like the first one better. I think just conceptually i think it's better realized but i I like the second one i thought it had a lot of good stuff in there yeah i I mean my favorite scene was probably the beginning like you know seeing the very beginning i was more interested in that but Mm -hmm. uh yeah it was really good i i I think krasinski's definitely talented like i'm interested to see what else he's gonna do yeah i know i i heard that they're doing like a aren't they doing like a quiet place like series or something like that they're doing something else. I don't remember hearing about uh, exactly what, but I know they're doing what something else because they're both. I mean, they both made a lot of money, so. Yeah, uh, and I remember really like th- well, I, that's probably why I slept on it for so long too because I knew it was supposed to come out like I think it was like the week weekend like everything shut down or something like that, and I remember he had 
or maybe I don't know with it, maybe it was in the same month, but I remember John Krasinski like pushing it off because you know, he had said that, you know, he made he put so much time and effort into this movie and he wanted people to be able to go to the theater and and watch this masterpiece that he did, you know. So, I guess, you know, it just was kind of something that after everything that it went on the couple years, it just kind of got thrown in the back of my head. But um, but yeah, it's it's a great movie. If you guys like uh, Quiet Place one, uh, one, but well, the first one, definitely see the second one. It, it's good. It's it's got a lot of jump scares in it too, and it's definitely anxiety driven. So it, it's a fun movie. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, yeah, I think Ed was a big fan too, if I recall properly. But um, yeah, it was a good one. Good pick. I'm surprised it took you that long to see it. Honestly, I thought yeah. everybody saw that one. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, and I like the first well, one. I just for count. some reason never got it. Right. <laughs> it was made within the past five years, so of course I didn't see it. Yeah, we were too busy watching Moonfall <laughs> to watch that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even like I've gotten into the habit of like logging movies on Letterboxd after I watch them now just for like my own like you know eight years from now if I'm like did I see that movie I can pull it up on there and go oh yeah I saw it I didn't like it I don't need to waste my time with it just to remind Um, yourself (laughs) right just as a reminder but Moonfall I was just so indifferent to that I was like I'm not even logging this one like fuck this movie <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't good obviously and it wasn't even bad enough to like go on there and be snarky about it I'm just like fuck this that's that's the one with the guy from Game of Thrones right Sam yeah okay I thought so yeah I remember talking about this with you guys yeah it, it it's completely ridiculous it makes your brain leak out of your ears but it, it was pretty entertaining <laughs> to watch so. yeah it's a it's a fun hate watch like it, 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 you hear uh, the guy from Game of Thrones like I've been downloaded into the moon. Like this is a real <laughs> fucking line in the movie. Like I'm not making this up or uh, you know exaggerating. That's a real line. <laughs> Somebody got paid to write. Jesus. Are they like the Moon Knights from Aqua Teen Hunger Force or something? I mean, the Moon Knights are probably more fucking serious than that movie is. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty pretty hilariously bad. I, I can't believe anybody thought that was gonna do well. <laughs> be taken any sort of seriously <laughs> so that that was entertaining anyway uh getting off topic so uh my pick uh this week it, it's a little hbo movie they got put out um you know like 15 20 years ago uh, i don't know how many people have actually seen it uh but it's one of my favorite uh paul giamatti performances and uh the movie's american splendor uh for anybody who doesn't know it's a biopic about um the underground comic um writer and um artist uh harvey picard um and he had a comic american splendor he's uh pr- as far as like indie comics go uh from that time he's kind of like an everyman hero uh you know just having such a cynical look on his life and <laughs> just having um you know just really funny things in the comics and uh paul giamatti plays harvey picard uh it's like a stylized version it has like comic strips involved and harvey picard plays himself in the movie too he's like real harvey so it's like a really interesting um just film and it just goes through different parts of picard's life and i i think giamatti nails it i think he's like perfect in the role even kind of looks like him um i just love the cynicism but also there's a hopefulness in there too like you know you want to see harvey do well and uh be happy and 
I, I think that's what makes the movie good. It has like the comedy and the cynicism and everything you would expect from, you know, something based on American Splendor. But uh, it's also got a you know nice, charming, hopeful outlook, too. So I don't know. It's just a little HBO movie, but I've always enjoyed it. I remember just catching it randomly when it first came on. And then that actually interested me to go back and want, um, read some of the trades on the comics. Um, and it was really good. It's just really interesting stuff. So if you, even if you don't know who Harvey B. Carr is or American Splendor, I think it's still watchable. It's still a uh, good performance by Giamatti. Still really entertaining. I thought that was a theatrical movie. That was an HBO movie? It was made by HBO. They might have put it in theaters, but oh, okay. uh, it used to run on HBO constantly. That's why I saw it. it right. It run constantly. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I, it's one that I need to rewatch. I haven't seen it since like I first you know first came out on home video or wherever, maybe HBO, wherever. I, I didn't see it in the theater. Um, And I think, didn't Terry Zweigoff direct it? If I'm remembering correctly, I think possibly I, I don't know. Did the uh, the documentary Crumb about uh, Robert Crumb and did uh, Ghost World with um, Thor Birch and Scarlett Johansson? Oh, uh, god, I think he did Bad Santa actually, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Terry Zweigoff did American Splendor. Yeah, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't remember the director uh, per se, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one that's always had a soft spot. It's just one of those movies that kind of latched onto me for no good reason. Like, I didn't know any of the backstory ahead of time. I mean, I've always liked Paul Giamatti. He's always been one of my favorite actors. But it was just one of those I kind of watch and it's always stuck with me. It's one I I just revisit every couple years. So it's interesting. There's a lot of interesting, even besides just him. Isn't it uh, Judah Friedlander plays his friend? Yeah, yeah, Judah Friedlander's in there, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like just the, the, you know a lot of quirky eccentric characters um makes it makes it a fun watch yeah and I always like the way they mix the comic in there too I, I think yeah. it did a really great job yeah it's a good movie ladies and gentlemen sadly it is time for the five of us to depart I know I know I'm super sad too but first, I want to remind our listeners about the never-running collection of film effect content that can always be found over at the archive on our website, thefilmeffectpodcast.com, as well as on all major podcast platforms. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter for first dibs at all the latest news and announcements that we have coming up. The Film Effect Podcast on Facebook, at Film Effect Pod on Twitter. And if you have the time, then please leave us your honest ratings and reviews of the show on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, or directly at our website. We need all the defenses that we can get while battling this agonizing algorithm. And guys, the Film Effect Podcast returns this week. And guys, the Film Effect Podcast returns this week with Corey and I celebrating the 20th anniversary of Rob Zombie's timeless classic, House of a Thousand Corpses. Hear all of our favorite Sean stories as well as personal ones, and believe me when I say that we have a plenty in regards to this particular film. You're also going to hear us talking about its crazy release and how it was originally financed by a major, 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 major movie studio before suddenly being shelved for a few years. Yep. And that also goes without saying that we're going to be talking about the heavily rumored director's cut of the film, too. Mm-hmm. So much to discuss, and I cannot wait. So on April 11th, get ready for our return. Now, as for that Big Lebowski episode that I announced a couple weeks back on the show, 
for the film's 25th anniversary and all that jazz. Instead of us doing a full-length episode, we were going to do that instead um, for the return, but we're going to do something different because I feel that The Big Lebowski is a film that everyone knows inside and out, and it really it's just a comedy that just felt would you know I felt would work better as a commentary track or a watch along than doing just another deep dive you know it's also a film that's been done to death over the years over various podcasts so you know what more could we say that hasn't already been said about the movie um I just felt that the the, the commentary format would have been would be funner would have been funner anyway so that's where we're at on that it's now going to be the first film that we watch and discuss in our new commentary show that we're going to be calling commentary tracks and the idea there is to release a new commentary a new commentary track or episode however you want to dub it once a month for now and we'll see how it responds hopefully people enjoy it I know I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking over the movie, so that'll be coming very soon. And throughout the rest of the month on the podcast, we also have an episode planned for Evil Dead 2013, an episode on Wild Things, an episode on Alien that's finally getting the thumb effect treatment later on this month. And we'll be wrapping up April by celebrating halfway to Halloween here on the show with an episode on A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge dropping promptly on April 30th. As with each and every week, I want to thank all of my co-hosts for all they do and all of our listeners for staying true. And until next time, I'm Ed. I'm Jocelyn. I'm Andrew. I'm Justin. And I'm Corey. And that's a wrap on another edition of FuryCast. Have a fine sunshine day. See ya. So, so, see ya. Enjoy the rest of your spring break. Spring break. <laughs> Ten points for anybody who knows that movie. All right, gang. We're going to see you all again next time when those theater lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll. Thank you. Thank you, bye.